Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of EverAg Podcast. It is the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo, and we have got a little uh, special special celebration for everybody listening. We've got Mr. John Spainhauer on the other end of the line to talk about the GDT auction. John, welcome back to the show, man. Hola, amigo. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hey, yesterday we had the, the GDT auction that was... I don't know, I guess in my opinion, nothing to write home about, but maybe you can just kind of give us a synopsis of what you saw, maybe a little bit of an overview on the markets that transpired. Sure. Good to be on here, Codell. Always fun to uh, to join you on these uh, GDT occasions. So this is the first auction in May, and the net result of the, the whole auction was 0.7% lower. I'm going to go ahead and call that relatively unchanged again. Last time, I think we were a little bit higher. The time before that, a little bit lower. So we're another overall boring auction. However, I think there's just a few things in there on a more nuanced basis that we can look at. The first is that the big disappointment on this auction was the butter or said another way, fat. Both AMF and butter were down. AMF was down 4.2%. Butter was down 12%. That's a pretty big dinger on the butter side. And you know, I think a lot of people were are kind of focused on that right now. One thing that we can point out on that is that the butter futures had been forecasting this imminent break in butter for the last oh, I don't know, three or four auctions. And it simply hasn't happened. They generally had been calling for a, a, a break on all of the products, but butter specifically, it hasn't happened until this time. So you say, well, what was different about this auction than in the past? Why, why did butter suddenly fall in this auction? And I think a little bit of that comes down to the makeup of offerings on this auction. The, the, off, the amount of product in the individual categories on each auction is not static. The different sellers, specifically Fonterra, have the right to adjust their volumes based on the individual supply and demand dynamics of those individual products, as well as, you know, maybe where the best value is, as well as what is what is possible for them to make. And those adjustments are made auction by auction. So what we saw in this auction was a, a pretty decent increase in fat products versus the, the last auction. And specifically, as we move out across the curve forward in time, there, there was a, a pretty decent increase in fat offerings. That in itself, I think just kind of, you know, supply overwhelm the demand a little bit there. So looking into that, though, I, that, that would probably be the biggest disappointment of the auction. When it comes to skim milk powder, we were up 2%. We are now at about $1.55 to $1.56 a pound on skim milk powder. That was an increase of 2%. And that is going to be the uh, highest skim milk powder price that we've seen on the auction in quite a long time. And so that just continues to truck a little higher here. What was most important to me, though, was probably the whole milk powder price. You know, whole milk powder is the biggest product on the exchange in terms of volume and weight that gets moved through there. And that price, if you remember, we made uh, five auctions ago, we made an abnormal 21% higher move. Since that time, we've kind of drifted back on that next auction. If you remember, a lot of people said, oh, that was a blow off top. 
That means that China is done buying and will move lower from here. We did move lower from that 21% higher move. However, we found some stability at about 6% lower. And since that point in time, we've just been kind of grinding sideways there as we look into a more detailed approach on who was buying on the auction. I think that it gets to be kind of interesting for everybody out there that continues to say that China's done buying or China's out of money or China's this, China that. On this auction, they bought 91% more than they did the auction before. And so we do, as always, want to be a little cognizant of the fact that last year during this time, we were in the midst of COVID. So it's, you know, the year over year comparison can kind of be skewed. But even if we compare it against 2019, it's a a significantly higher number. If we compare it against 2018, it's a significantly higher number. It's just you can see that the Chinese are still very much here and still very much buyers on this auction. I don't think anything has changed on that. Now, I'm not sure what's going to change that moving forward in this general macro commodity move. Finally, on the one last thing to point out here is that the other areas of the world, people that have been more on the sidelines thinking that China was going to go away and that they would be able to pick up the pieces when the prices move lower, they seem to have appeared and come out into this market a little bit. We're finally starting to see those, you know, all regions other than China starting to enter the fray here. And I think that probably is what kept the, the price more buoyant here. If I were to take anything bearish away from this auction, uh, obviously disregarding the, the fat price, but if I were to take anything bearish away from this auction, it would just be to say that in general, the overall amount of product that was offered on this past auction it was lower than it has been in a while. That's just a seasonal element. We see that all the time, the step down during this time of year and prices, you know, so we had less product offered and prices were still, you know, relatively flat. I guess I look at that and say, I, one can interpret that as, hey, that just the the appetite of the buyers or the desperation of the buyers isn't quite as big as it was if we had, you know, and I only say that through the lens of less product offered and prices still didn't go anywhere. Maybe we can read it that way. Absolutely. And, you know, the past couple episodes, John, we've talked about our product here in the States being the cheapest in the world thus far. And then yesterday, the March export report came out and was, was fairly strong. Can you help tie those two together on what that could mean now and in the future going forward? As people try to, you know, I guess, look at the GDT auction compared to ours and say, okay, here's where all countries are, you know, who overlaps who coming up soon? Yeah, you bet. You know, this is one that's, I guess, one of those deals where it's almost uh, not a buy the rumor, sell the fact, Cody, but one of those deals where the the proof is in the pudding, I suppose, (laughs) is maybe the best way to phrase this. And that is that over the course of the last four or five months, we've seen the GDT prices move higher out there. We've seen European prices move higher. When it came to nonfat and butter, specifically nonfat, what we would consider to be one of the more fungible products as it comes across international products, being able to compare the two, our nonfat price lagged far behind the rest of the world price. And a lot of people looked and I know on this podcast and on and plenty of things we've written about and plenty of other analysts have written about to say, you know, those higher prices that we see 
uh, and the rest of the world are going to lead to exports. And those exports are going to lead to the U.S. prices going higher. You know, you, it's one of those things that you know that that's eventually going to happen. That rubber band is eventually going to snap and it's going to happen. However, in the meantime, you still can you still see you know the U.S. price trading lower at, at a steep discount to the rest of the world, and and you ask people why are we doing that, uh, and people say, well, uh, you know, as people are reasoning through this, and you know, one of the things that came back was we had significant issues in our ports, and that. You know, I think we've all read about it. We've seen that our, you know, it was hard to get product out of the country, at least anecdotally. And, you know, we've, we've all, you know, you can see the stories as it relates to almost all seaborne shipping going out, specifically out of the West Coast. At first, it was a ports are backed up issue. Then it turned into a shortage in containers, right? And, you know, it, if people say it, I definitely believe it. The the news stories were there, and it kind of led to this idea that okay, well, that's why we have a discount. If you can't ship it, then why would I buy it? And and prices have to trade at a discount. As we got the March export report that came out here, I think specifically, uh, I would like to point out that nonfat dry milk S&P exports were over 86,000 metric tons. This was a record volume month for nonfat S&P exports. I, I just can't say it enough how important that is and what that means. It means that people were buying out of the U.S. We were the cheapest in the world, that people were buying, and these exports don't register unless they actually leave the country. This product left the country despite the issues with the port. And what I think is important is, as always, Mexico was our most important trade partner during the month of March as it pertain, pertains to nonfat. However, we saw significant increases in countries like Indonesia and Malaysia and Vietnam. I guess the way I look at that is, is you probably didn't get that product to those countries, not on a boat. So despite all of the shipping problems that we had, we still were able to get product on a boat and get it into these countries. And we were able to achieve record exports of nonfat S&P. I just can't say it enough how important I, I think that is. And as you can see, our nonfat price has made a significant increase, not just in the month of March, but as we look at it out here, you know, here we are. If we go back in March, we were at 120. If these products shipped in March, they probably were, those orders were probably booked in February. February, we were at 110. As you can see, since that point in time, we have seen, made a significant price appreciation, and here we are at 136. So again, our relatively low price helped us achieve record exports of nonfat, and we did it all during a time that our ports were broken. Cody, I, my joke around here is if that's what we exported when the ports were broken, what are we going to export when they get fixed? I think you're, we, we've got good times to come when it comes to these export figures and seeing that leave the country. Absolutely. I was going to say, John, I know you and I look at the, the export report quite often, you know, very hard when it comes out, but that seems to be a big key piece to this as we move forward with these auctions and what can actually get out of the ports. Because I think you had a very good point that a lot of people don't realize is to be an export, it has to physically leave the country. And I think a lot of folks still think that, well, it was put towards an export, so they're going to count it. You're saying that's not true. To the best of my knowledge, it has to leave 
it has to actually leave the country and end up at its destiny or, you know, be heading towards its destination. Right. So I, I guess I look at that and I piece it together. You can say, well, John, that's what happened in March. Uh, April, we can probably expect the same, but what do we do now here in May? May, we're, we're at 136 and we've made a pretty decent price appreciation. Where do we go from here? And even if the ports get fixed, and I would say right now it's, you know, we've made a, we have made a pretty significant price appreciation. I think we've got a little bit more room. Maybe we can go ring that 140 bell as it relates out here. I, I guess I have a, what, what now puts me in the, at 140 to 135 to 140, which puts me in a, a relatively neutral position as it pertains to nonfat is, where is the rest of the world? And most importantly, New Zealand, like I said, starting to edge higher again. You know, not, not you know, a 2% increase, not necessarily the biggest deal in the world, but uh, nevertheless, at 156, here we are at 136, roughly. There's still room for us to grow here. European prices are in the low 140s, so not that much higher than us, but certainly higher than us and firming up. We would expect those, you know, as, as we start to see the rest of the world starting to push down that higher, uh, push higher as we move out through time, I expect that we'll see the U.S. now specifically since we already have been exporting. The port situation still does have some issues, but I think it's getting better by the day. And we'll continue to see this product get shipped and we'll continue to see our prices be steady to higher. Okay. Awesome. Well, hey, everybody, you know, please keep an eye out for the for the export report and uh, watch as you can on the port situation from what John is saying. But with that, that's going to do it for another episode of GDT Tuesday. It's actually Wednesday today. We're pushed back a little bit. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns for myself or especially Mr. Spanhauer, uh, Paige is going to put our contact information in the description, and that will be the best way to get a hold of us and ask questions. Uh, but with that, John, we will see you, what do we got, another two weeks until the next auction, correct? Hasta la vista, Codiddle. Awesome. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.